Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. Before we get to the episode, we've got a quick voicemail from our good friend, Spencer Parks. Hello, it's Spencer. I can't wait to hear myself on the air soon. Uh, let's see, I just listened to the My Man episode, and yes, of course, this song fucking rocks. I have always loved it. Uh, shortly after this album came out, I was hanging out with a couple of friends, uh, one of them, Sam, he had uh, also heard the album. And his before we had learned that it was about somebody who uh, couldn't move anymore physically, their, their body wouldn't move, uh, the spine had been disconnected or whatever, um, his interpretation of it was uh, that it was about a man who was uh, impotent, uh, you know, the, the the penis wouldn't get hard anymore. That, that was his interpretation. And honestly, if you listen to the lyrics, uh, you could totally interpret it that way. Uh, and so every time I hear this song, I can't not think about that. So uh, you're welcome, everybody. Now you can think about that. Uh, that is all I have to say. I love that song. Goodbye. Thanks, Spencer, for explaining to us all what impotence is, and thank you for ruining the song for everyone. Just kidding. Thanks for calling, buddy. Uh, anyone can call in and leave a voicemail. It's 224-801-2930. And on with the show. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson. I have with me today Pat Ford of the band Colossal. We're going to tell you about Colossal. And we're going to talk about the song Piece of Dirt off of Lincoln. Here we go. Piece of dirt. That is all I'm standing on today. Piece of dirt. The whole Jump into a fountain or to fly, I'd fly away. A woman's voice on the radio can convince you. Hey, Pat. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going? I'm great. Super nice to be here. Yeah. Um, so Colossal is a band that I have loved, loved, loved since you guys started and I need more, more, more Colossal, but we need to tell people what Colossal is. Cause even before we get into the Giants, people, I think around these parts would really 
dig the stuff uh, that you've done. And I was going back and looking, trying to remember the history of this. Now, also, if, if people end up liking what they hear, they can go back and listen to the Best Midwestern episode from a couple of years ago. We had the whole colossal, uh, the whole band on. People should go check that out uh, if you need more after this. Um, but I was going back to try and figure out exactly, I was fuzzy on the details of how I first heard about you guys. And then I realized uh, when I was still actually writing reviews for Punk News, I got sent just piles of stuff from our reviews editor. I think it was Brian Schultz at the time. Media mail, just torn up packages full of tons of jewel cases of CDs. And I got sent uh, the Colossal EP from 2003. And I remember opening it up and be like, oh, hey, Rob Kellenberger, I know that guy. He was a drummer of Slapstick of Tuesday. He may have already been doing something with Duval at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But I had no idea about the rest of you guys uh, and was blown away by what I heard on this first EP. And first off, I think I want to play something I always go back to. My, the, the song that won me over initially was Embers Only. So I think I'm going to play Embers Only for the people and then we'll talk a little more. So here it is. Do it. Yeah, I was always just blown away by how hard you guys could rock without having, like, a bunch of distortion and stuff, right? Like, very um, intricate, technical but not showy guitars, like Kellenberger just bashing away on the drums. Um, But, like, I don't know, there was, like, both an understatedness and a rockingness that went together in a way that I hadn't heard before. And I don't really even know how else to describe it. But I will say, I was looking (laughs) on the Punk News comments of this EP review that I wrote from uh, 19 years ago. Anonymous said, this album rules. I can't stop listening to it. I also think they are better than Good Charlotte. (laughs) Let's hope so. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, punk news. You're delightful. <laughs> and then you guys put out a full length, uh, and these are both on Asian Man, uh, Welcome to Problems in 2004. I also reviewed that. It was one of my very few um, perfect five-star reviews. Mm. So how do you how do you how do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm very honored, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, and and, and by a couple of good reviews, but. you did or you didn't? We didn't. We, we got all good reviews, but we didn't get a ton of reviews. Period. And I remember uh-huh. it, would be, it was great that you had written both of those. You, who I didn't know at all, and I just knew your name was like Greg Orb or something. And I'm like, this Greg Orb yep. guy is, is he's pretty cool. Like he gets it. <laughs> so I know we this just appreciated the coverage, to be honest, um, and the enthusiasm. Yeah, I I love this album, and there's uh, a couple of songs on this album where we get a little double drummer action with uh, Neil Hennessy, who people would know from Lawrence Arms on this record as well. And I was always a, a big fan of that since a few years prior. I'd heard Fugazi do double drum stuff on uh, The Arguments, and I was just a sucker for that. And a year later, I ended up recording a song for my band Blue Bottle where I did two different drum tracks, both kind of inspired by uh, you guys and Fugazi there. Cool. You know, one drum set's cool, but, you know, two, (laughs) twice as good, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I will say that our friend Scott Adamson also played double drums on a couple songs on uh, the full length on Welcome to Problems. And he was in some great bands like chiseled drill hammer and my favorite Abilene. And he was uh, Mm. the guy who recorded our two records. And I really kind of got him involved because he was such a stylist uh, on the drums. And uh, it was truly like his unique style on the drums. And then I heard he was a sound engineer and I'm like, this is the guy because he was so kind of, he just had so much finesse and so it was cool to mm-hmm. add his finesse to Rob's heavy, heavy stick, heavy thunder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they had, like, that would be the ultimate in a way to have like this super smooth jazz drummer and then to have Rob, who's just like a, you know, big pounder, but who has yeah. a lot of finesse himself and details. Oh, yeah. But um, in the end, he's just a bottom lover. <laughs> <laughs> And I was also always a fan of the brass that uh, Jason Flax would bring with the with the trumpet being a uh, brass guy originally myself being a trombone player. Yeah, you were not and, the first um, or last band geek to be to be swayed by <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I always I, I always bring this up and brought it up during the the best uh, Midwestern interview too. And then later we found out that Jason had uh, directed a brass quintet that my wife was a part of when she was in high school during a summer program in Elgin. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, so, you shocked him with that news. Yeah, that was a cool connection. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I know, small world. It's crazy. Crazy. So everyone should go check out Colossal. Asian Man Records did re-release on vinyl. Uh, Welcome to Problems. Did they re-release the EP too? No, two other labels reissued the EP. Top Shelf Records and 
Cal mm-hmm. here, Lucky Stars Records. And uh, those those are in short supply if they still exist, but you should check it out. They, but they were reissued with um, full remastering that I oversaw with the band and new cover art or revised cover art mm-hmm. that I'm super proud of all that stuff. We did it all uh, labor of love. So nice. and it was an honor to be able to do that. And that was like in 2017, 2018 ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Now onto TMBG. Tell us your fandom story. How did you get into, uh, they might be giants. Um, so my sister is 10 years older than me. I just have one sister and, but I have also a bunch of cousins too, and they all like good music. And they passed that on to me at a very young age. And my sister was in Milwaukee in the ladies. And I, I think she saw their first, or if not first one, first they met giants shows in Milwaukee. And, um, mm. she was crazy about them. And she ended up with the vinyl of the first record, um, which I was, about 11 10 may 10 when she got that and that was very mm-hmm. very exciting for a 10 year old to see a record like that in the full vinyl which is more rare in that era and this had been like 88 or something uh when she would have mm-hmm. gotten that does that sound right um it came out in like 87 or something sorry came oh, out in 86 yeah 86. so she, she was in school from milwaukee from 85 to 89 so she saw him somewhere and then got the record and I was super into it and just because of the cartoons, you know, and, and then hearing the music, it was just, it perfectly matched the cover art. It was super fun. It was funny. It was sort of naughty for a young person or adults in a engaging way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that it was really that. And then I know the cassette of Lincoln and that became my favorite. Uh, for sure, because maybe I just like the production slightly better. I'm realizing now, looking back, <laughs> it was a little clearer or something. And um, a few, I love the variety of that record because there was like it's totally like, you'll laugh, you'll cry. Well, you have like four different <laughs> types of laugh and a couple different types of cry, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, and oh, totally. my favorite songs of that band are still on that album. And so uh, I got to see them. It was one of my first shows ever. It was my second show, I think, um, that I ever saw. And I looked it up. It was at what was then called the Cabaret Metro in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. It was on, in April 1990. Nice. Yeah. Man. They played two shows, apparently. And I'm not sure if it was the 28th or the 29th. But I very distinctly remember it. I, I remember them having an encore to... Um, shoehorn with teeth like it's oh wow stands out right in my memory and it was uh, fabulous yeah and the lighting was really dramatic they always had just like spotlights on the guys and Uh i also remember the guy in front of me had a backwards socks hat and it was that old socks logo that said sox and he took the top of the Uh o out so it said sucks which i thought was yes it sucks yeah (laughs) I remember so that very trick. Funny to, uh, <laughs> I mean, April nineteen ninety. I would have been twelve, I guess. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah. And Metro. I've seen more shows at the Metro than I could count. Um, so were they playing? They were playing as a duo for that show then, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're a, 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 a special breed there of people that uh, got to see them back in their duo days. How I wish I could see them like that. They've done it as kind of like a, a novelty thing in the more modern times, but the original duo shows, I would kill to see one of those. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, they were like an entry yeah. point band for me, too. Like, I guess I got into, you know, I think they are for a lot of people, but for me, I kind of got into good music through funny stuff, like mm-hmm. Dead, Dead Milkmen and They Might Be Giants. I, I think a lot of people like liked both of those bands at the same time. And, um, so, yeah, I like the humorous stuff. And, and also, like, when punk bands did covers of known songs, that was also a real big entry point for me. Like, when I remember hearing Screeching, oh, yeah. Screeching Weasel, I Can See Clearly, like, right around the time mm-hmm. it came out on the radio, and I was just, like, amazed or, like, Ramones, do you want to dance or things like that? I remember uh, completely got me in, and like those were my gateways. Just like a lot of people got into ska music, because not that ska isn't a, like, have real seriousness and depth to it, but it's also really fun and like almost comical fun. So it's sort of like easy mm-hmm. to get into when you're young. So in the same way that people are have that entry point, I, I had a pretty serious entry point via the humor of they might be giants and. Uh, Dead Milkman. Can't think of too many others that were like that, but a few others, surely. Mojo Nixon. I was into Mojo Nixon. <laughs> oh, man. Forgot about that band. Mm-hmm. TMG are definitely one of those bands where when you're younger, you might laugh at certain things in the lyrics, and then when you're older, you might laugh at different things. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so much richer. See the, the darker humor. Yeah. yeah, man. It's so much richer when you look at it when you're older, it's like that. It's like the, it's like looking at a lot of the clash lyrics too, that we couldn't understand those mm-hmm. very well. They might be giants. They really pronounce it. The words almost too much, but then in the clash, he doesn't pronounce it that much. <laughs> you just kind of know the things you yell along with more or less. And then you come back to the lyrics and it's just like, Oh wow. There's a lot more to that than I knew. And like for the, they might be giant stuff. It's particularly like depressing in a great way, you know, to look back <laughs> yeah. and say, Oh God, this is such existential dread is everywhere. <laughs> so, love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's kind of like the Simpsons in a way, whereas like when you go back and watch those again, when you're older and you see all the references or all the, like the deeper meaning to some of the jokes, same kind of thing. And that's why these, it's part of the lasting power of uh, They Might Be Giant stuff is that, you know, there's great stuff on the surface, but then there's a lot more to dig into underneath. Absolutely. Yeah. That's resonates with me. So Lincoln was your favorite album. I'd say maybe second favorite for me after Apollo 18. But yeah, Lincoln to me was always kind of where they really like, figured out their formula whereas like on the first album you had the poppy songs you had the weird songs on lincoln they like find a way to like while not staying in one genre at all still doing like lots of experiments and stuff they 
found out how to put the weirdness in with the poppiness. Yeah, I agree. So with Piece of Dirt, there, um, I was kind of surprised at first that there was no uh, dial-a-song version of this. Um, but then we see there's a, uh, there's a quote from 2010, uh, John Linnell said, um, let's see, where's this quote from? Let me see. Geek girl on the street. Is this really, is this the original source of this? I don't know. This is on the way back machine. I don't even know if that's accurate. Anyway, mm-hmm. Linnell said, uh, there are certain recordings where after the fact we thought, wow, what an interesting rare thing that was. Piece of Dirt from the Lincoln album was this odd thing which came together in the studio and was very different and kind of beautiful and rare. It was the result of John and I collaborating in the studio, going back and forth and giving each other material, and it was unlike anything we had recorded before. So this was, there was no demo, there was no dial song They wrote it in the studio, which is pretty rare for them. Wow. So that's cool. Seems right for dial but don't you think yeah. it's so straightforward? Yeah. It's so simple. It's like got a the formula. If you hear the um, early version, the earliest version, um, and it's like, yeah, make they, the live version. Yeah, how yeah. was this not a dial-a-song uh, song? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's it's really cool the way that it came out. Because um, yeah, usually you'll hear um, you know one of the Johns, one or the other. They kind of write separately. Uh, and then on the early stuff, it seemed like they kind of, you know, one of them would write the main part and then they would kind of come together and add little layers onto it. Uh, these days, it seems like they really write kind of separate um, with with some exceptions, of course. Um, but but for them to like jam one out in the studio, you know, Metallica style. Sure. <laughs> wasn't not, uh, not their usual uh, M.O. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And in the uh, the liner notes of this there is an additional verse of the song which does not get sung in the song uh piece of dirt i made it prettier today piece of dirt it was that or just complain which is apparently they've used it live but it was not on any recorded version and then flames in addition to that he said uh I was looking through the files about a year after we released the Lincoln album, and I found another set of lyrics that were really a lot better. So I suppressed them, and we're just going to have to deal with the traditional lyrics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the, uh, again, it's like the existentialist uh, dread, and it's like this abstract sort of um, darkness and light that the song is all about. I love, Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's why I'm... So it's when I song. guess they're kind of working on it in the studio and Flans is like scribbling lyrics and then he lost the sheet and then they recorded it and then he found the sheet. And, uh, well, I, th- I, th- I think what they ended up with, uh, came out, uh, pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> good. Think. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you want to elaborate a little bit on, um, yeah, your thoughts on the, uh, on the lyrics. Yeah. Um, I guess just the notion that, um, <laughs> just feeling really, really tiny or insignificant um, and at a total loss and despair. I think a lot mm-hmm. can, um, a lot of people can relate to that um, feeling. And it, um, there's this, and he, he t- carries on that theme in the way that there's sort of a little voice in a big song. 
that's why I keep thinking about mm. this song. It's a little voice in a big song. And you can even hear it in the later live version. I think the most recent live version that's available that they did in 2015, even his voice is even quieter uh, and just a little smaller than on the recording. And then all the covers I've ever heard of this song, um, most of them like that. Here's this big, broad, open song. And then there's this little voice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that's part of the lyrics in a way. So it's like, if you want to act out the lyrics, you kind of would do that. It's like, he's dirt, you know, <laughs> like <get> all these <laughs> right. kind of less than professional musicians kind of doing that, like, style and uh sort of works mostly because the song is great it's a very nice and yeah. tight arrangement i love how short it is um i love the image of um i'd climb the highest mountain just to jump into a fountain that's that's like really great straightforward poetry um yeah and uh yeah mm-hmm. you know someone on uh the wiki thinks that 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 might be a reference to See No Evil by television, where he says, I want to fly, fly a, a fountain. I want to jump, 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 a jump a mountain. Oh, it sounds like it definitely would be then. <laughs> and that would yeah. make total sense. They're like New York guys through and through, um, at least, you know, their birth and their, they were, they were, uh, they made Brooklyn cool far long before a lot of people did. I know that. And they mm-hmm. were surely yeah. like associated with that downtown scene, you know, or being on Barn on Records early on. And like mm-hmm. that is the world of television. And um, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I love hearing that because I'm a big fan of television. And I think if people are listening to Colossal, they might understand that, that make that connection. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Dual uh, noodling clean guitars. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh RIP to Tom Verlaine oh, who passed absolutely. away a couple couple weeks ago. Great poet. Yeah. What lovely guy. Yeah, you know, I think I'll I'll drop in a little bit of uh see no evil here so people can hear that that uh same rhyme going on here. songs and one of the best entry points to television if yeah. people don't know them it's long like uh marquee moon or whatever <laughs> which is marquee moon is like the best riff ever and but it's, yeah. it's like it's hard to put on a mixtape for example mm-hmm. <laughs> i always liked uh Venus Milo. Oh yeah, I mean Venus Milo. It's one be. of the greatest records of all time. So yeah. so good. Yeah, yep. Y'all should go check it out. 
for sure. Yes, uh, I believe I believe the first band of that scene to play CBGBs because I think Tom Verlaine and Patti Smith were dating at the time, and I think Patti Smith was the one that convinced um, the owner of CBGBs to yeah, that convinced them that television was a blues band because <laughs> CBGBs, right? Country blues, bluegrass blues, right? Like, oh yeah, television. They're they're a blues band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could work. It could work. Yeah, I just wanted to add, as long as we're on television, just to say that Elevation was a huge song for me. It was like a big impact in my life for what it's worth. You know, a little off topic, mm. topic but like that little like weird accent and pause in the chorus of that song, like really totally changed my mind about music and songwriting and stuff. Uh, mm. If you know the chorus, it's like, yeah that weird like that weird offbeat was so exciting i remember hearing it on the i think on wnur at the northwestern radio station when i was younger and just like what and i think i even heard them <laughs> yeah. back announce what the band was and I had heard of television, but I hadn't them yet. I'm like, oh, this is that band. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that crazy hit there. I'd have to like subdivide it into like 16ths or maybe even th- like t- where that lands there. Yeah, I'll and leave that for if you. If people to do. don't know television, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worth, worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Back to the lyrics. Let's see. Lines in particular. So, yeah, we got the mountain and fountain. Um, thoughts on the uh, the bridge there. A woman's voice on the radio can convince you you're in love. A woman's voice on the telephone can convince you you're alone. Yeah, it's that's totally relatable. It's like the romance of... Um, you kind of making your mind up about what a song is and what's behind the song of a woman's voice on the radio or even the DJ or something that's sort of like not directly related and engaging with you. But then when you're faced with the reality of the world of an actual human being talking to you, it's, it's a lot harder and the romance uh, is less uh, <laughs> overt. You know, you're faced <laughs> with the uh, mundane world um, with someone over the phone. So it's like, that's what I think it is, really. It's the mundaneness versus uh, the kind of uh, romance and mystery. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my take on that part. And yeah. then the, the part about, like, I set my sail so long ago, revoked my sailor's badge. You know, that it's great because um, it gives a little imagery to the song. And I think you can kind of pretty easily um, relate, like, all the imagery of land and, and the earth and, and such here that like sailing and a piece of dirt and highest mountain and fountain and even um, ink spot where it's kind of talking about maps. I assumed that was like mm-hmm. an ink spot, just like a dot on a map. Um, uh, and so like yeah. a sail mm-hmm. goes, you know, you're sailing, you're looking at a map going to the map, uh, the, the ink spot. I loved it. I love the line about on this ink spot where I stand too. It's like, and again, like great poetry. Um, yeah, just relatable, earthy images. Um, yeah, that kind of anyone can get into. And like it keeps on track poetically pretty well. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I don't like songs that like call too much on like lots of mixed metaphors and are all over the map just to fill the rhyme. Like this, like kind of, it's all in the same ballpark, at least the imagery of this song. It's not like the tightest, but it like, it works. Right. For mm-hmm. me, at least. I think probably one of my favorite lines uh, from when I was younger, one that hit me initially was, uh, I find myself haunted by a spooky man named me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I l- that that one always grabbed me right off the bat. Just really yes. drives home the whole point of just f- feeling like shit, basically. <laughs> yeah, freaking yourself out a little bit. Yeah, um, that, yeah. So that's also completely relatable. Like, I mean, if you're if you're sort of a um, reflective person and whatever. Um, yeah, you can really freak yourself out once in a while by like, oh gosh, I really did that or I really said that. Um, it's actually slightly um, blood. It's kind of chilling in a way, that lyric. Yeah, and then followed by, I wish that I could jump out of my skin. Yeah, that's it's great. I, I mean, it, it's so hard. It's harsh. Um, and so I, when I was thinking about the song too, I, I, I can understand it's the aesthetic of the Giants that have often like this little kind of scrawny voice in a, in a, in a variety of venues. And in this one, it's a very big, broad uh, venue. Like um, it feels like when he says like, I could climb the highest mountain, like you could sing the song on a mountain. It sounds really grand to me. It's mm-hmm. a classic pop song in a way. And they, you know, they kind of give it away in that earliest version when they say this is hip hop meets Roy Orbison. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will get to that shortly. That is yeah, a hilarious introduction to the song. Yeah, we can get to that. <laughs> but I mean, as long as I'm there, it's like, sure. Wouldn't it be nice to hear a version of this sung by someone with a really big, strong voice, a big sweeping voice? Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, like Elvis or, or, or Roy Orbison or something like that. Or, um, or I even thought this song would be pretty cool if someone who has a really effective emotive voice, um, like, like Connor Oberst or, um, the guy from Shoo Shoo or something like that. Someone like with a mm-hmm. really like fairly like menacing and real, like truly sort of, um, like that would be like someone who can really pull it. I'd love to hear that emotion yeah. too. Because like, we'll, we'll get into it, but overall it seems like people like to lean into the scrawny vocals. And it's like, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. fun to hear it mm-hmm. another way? Yeah, yeah. And Flans is going for, he's going for a little bit of his his crooner voice. Yeah, but, um, in the studio version. Yeah, sure. it's, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that young Flans voice, we don't hear that tone from him as much these days sadly i don't know right yeah that's how i associate it because yeah i didn't full disclosure i i don't know much about them they might be giants like after i, I don't know the early to mid 90s i'm sort of off the, the boat but i still love and respect but i just didn't follow them you, you really should you really should dip in a little bit there's a lot there <laughs> awesome yeah i know i should i will yeah Musical elements of this song. Uh, one thing I didn't really uh, pinpoint until I knew what it was. The the 
the um, bass harmonica in this song. Oh, that's what that is. I think this. I think something about it, um, just the way like the readiness of a harmonica kind of blends with the accordion that's there. Yeah, Maybe I didn't really pinpoint exactly what that was. Yeah, right. Um, but in, in the time since having so gotten into stuff like like pet sounds, like there's bass harmonica features like throughout. Oh, right. Pet sounds, and uh, then hearing it in here, just that. Huh, huh, something about the 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 attack of it is different than you know that definitely sets it apart from the way an accordion's attack is and it's such a cool uh such a cool texture to blend uh with the accordion it's like you got these two reedy instruments that blend together in a really cool way yeah i like it yeah they're very closely linked um it's almost just like two people with um like we do that all the time with vocals, right? Like people have pretty similar vocals and ranges or just, so, you know, we'll sing together. But um, yeah, it's rare to have two just slightly off instruments playing together. Usually, you know, and those instruments are usually for color in at least in a rock setting uh, and not playing together as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Leave it to these guys. And... <laughs> leave it to the Johns. <laughs> and so Flamesburg is credited with acoustic guitar on this song, but I am at a loss for where the acoustic guitar is <laughs> in this song. The The only possible thing that I could think of, though I thought it was a, a, a keyboard, is when the chorus comes back around, you got the piece of dirt, bring. It's got those little oh, rings. That might be it. You think? Yeah, because that I always thought it was a little like kind of. It almost sounds like kind of like harpsichordy kind of true tone. We'd have to listen. But I don't know. I don't know what else the could be acoustic guitar because there's not like big strums or anything. That's that's my only guess, and it doesn't have. I mean, not that the wiki is infallible. Um, it doesn't have any keyboard listed on the song just has the accordion bass harmonica and then the acoustic guitar um so that little bring i don't know <laughs> could be the acoustic guitar i guess perhaps i really like the drum programming on this song mm-hmm. it's got a really cool feel like the um i don't know how would you i can't even think of how to describe the rhythm like it's not quite latin but it's something i don't know something about it slowed down latin beat to me yeah it's something like almost like you'd hear with like claves and like a cuban band or something but like yeah like way slowed down yeah yeah i don't know that's exactly what yeah as i said i think it sounds like a latin beat slowed down to me yeah yeah which you can do if you have a, a keyboard, a, a rudimentary keyboard. <laughs> they probably come with right, yeah, they always... samba or whatever, and you just go <laughs> right. tempo down, tempo down, tempo down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I always love those. Um, <clears throat> my favorites are always the what the keyboards call a rock beat or something, and it's just like the lamest thing like on the, on the machine. Usually the rock ones suck, yeah. I, I'd rather use the samba. Yep. <laughs> yeah, give me that bossa nova. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the feel of the music the uh like the push and pull of the accordion 
and the blowing in the harmonica really kind of gives it that um, kind of sweeping feeling. I think goes a lot goes along really well with this, especially like the sailor imagery, like an ocean kind of swelling. Big time. Yep, agreed. Yeah. That's why I was saying before. It's like a big song. It's just like yeah, it's grand, and they they do do it right with those both like the instrumentation and the lyrics. They meet it and. Uh, like I said, I'm serious. Like I, I envision this song like sung on top of a mountain or something. <laughs> well, it's like it really uh-huh. takes you like you're on an, a little tiny island of your own, and then you're kind of on top of the mountain, and but like with from one verse to the next, and then, like it's believable. And uh, yeah, yep. So I, I completely yeah. uh, agree. And uh, spoiler alert: We will be hearing you playing a uh, a cover later in this episode. But as as someone who has learned this song on guitar, do you have any particular uh, thoughts or notes on like chord progression type stuff in this song? It was very easy to learn. I don't have many thoughts on the chord progression, other than it's uh, it gets. It's interesting how the saddest, darkest part of the song is not the of the lyrics do not match the saddest, darkest part of the chords. Like mm. the end, that the big despairing end, uh, vo- uh, lyrically, is just kind of it's not super sad sounding, um, or it doesn't have the indicators of sad uh, in musically speaking. Um, that 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 kind of the bridge does so like the i wish that i could jump out of my skin yeah that's just like the four five one right yeah. it's just like the big s- standard big chord progression the nice resolution nothing that spooky about it no minor chords but that's what ultimately yeah. makes it sadder because it seems almost like a resigned uh jumping mm. jumping out of my skin because it's he's not like he's not so inflamed and about like, I'm going to jump out of my skin. And he's just like, he's resigned. Like, you know, I wish I could, mm. but he can't. And so that's even worse. It's even yeah. more of a, a, yeah. a epic, uh, yeah. Horror. And, totally. And yeah, yeah. And I, the, um, and the accordion, there's something just so, um, I don't know interior like with the accordion it just sounds like alone at home sometimes when i hear an accordion i don't know why maybe that's just me or it's feels like at the end it feels like you're inside your house or something it reminds you that like you've been on this little island you've been up in the mountain but really you're just like alone at home (laughs) that's how i feel Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Yeah, like somehow the song is both it's both grand feeling and also intimate at the same time. Yeah, musically and then the idea. and then the lyrics, you know, because it's taking you it's like well my my world is like the things that are happening are so uh, monumental that they're worthy of this grand imagery. Um but when it comes down to it, it's just like a dude alone in his room like he's not mm-hmm. he didn't like uh, lose someone in a in a shipwreck <laughs> or a <laughs> drama that's flies about those earlier lines it's like it's mm. just a, like um just someone who's alone or has been left alone because of a failed romance or something 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The grandiose and the mundane all in one two-minute package. Yeah, it's also really yeah. short, so I appreciated that. And that seemed very doable live or to cover. And I think a lot of other people who cover this song find that they they love the minimalism and they love that it's short and straight straightforward, but like packs a punch, like imagistically and um and uh it, it feels complete the arrangement mm-hmm. me, you know what i mean it's not like oh sometimes songs stop too short you know and it's like oh man i would have loved that chorus but like because i think the bridge is fine as a bridge because it's like it's a pretty melodramatic yeah. thing and it's not my favorite part of the song but i i like it melodically and it makes but like I just like the straight verses. There's something, as I was saying before, like so tragic about those dark lyrics riding on top of these like straightforward one, four, five or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So let's hear that live debut that uh, you alluded to before the, uh, so the drum machine we've talked about in here being kind of like a slowed down Latin, but uh, the drum machine on this, version is a little bit different maybe a little closer to what you said flan says is hip-hop meets roy orbison or however he says it i'll I'll make sure that little banter bit is in there so here's here's the live debut and this is from uh new year's eve 1987 so before uh lincoln even came out so let's uh let's check it out that's all we can play we're going to do a new song now. Krauss, I need a... Uh, well, okay. Nothing. Nothing. I was just joking. This next song is a song... Okay. This next song we've never done before in public, so I don't really know how it's going to come out. And this song is called Piece of Dirt. And it goes like this. It's kind of a hip-hop Roy Orbison kind of a song. <laughs> Can convince you you're alone But I said myself so long ago They revoked my sailor's badge Said I should be content and happy On this ink spot where I stand Piece of dirt It is kind of a little more um, bombastic beat, I would say. Uh, hip-hop, I don't know, but I guess maybe kind of. I mean, I guess hip-hop in uh, 
87, uh, everybody's drum machines were still a little more, uh, you know, simple. Yeah, I mean, I think, doom, ka, doom, doom, ka. I mean, that, it was, that was when everyone yeah. was like, my name is Pat and I'm here to say. <laughs> like, that was like... I love Fruity Pebbles in the major. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, no, it sounds very hip hop to me in that in that way, and I love that the original live uh, version of it. I'm so glad you drew me to that because, uh, well, for one, it's a more overt mashup um, of what I'm talking about of this, like, or what he says, just of the Roy Orbison meets hip hop. It's like. It's a collision for sure. As I keep talking about with like the big song, little voice and these sort of collisions of themes of the big expansive drama and this internal micro drama. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's suited well mm-hmm. by the mashup of like kind of classic American pop song with uh, this sort of stuttery hip hop beat, which becomes more of a slow down Latin beat. I think it sort of loses an edge in the studio version. Like there's a real edge to the, mm. this early version that's lost. Um, it's a little over refined um, in the studio version. Okay. Ha- having heard this yeah, that's fair. to my, to my um, taste. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The vocal performance and everything are, are, are much better in the studio. Right. Mm-hmm. Then uh, most recently, uh, they haven't played it since 2015. So we have actually the first performance and the most recent performance, uh, which is, uh, let's see, 2015. It is uh, July 26th, 2015 uh, at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. And I'm going to drop that version in here. before that like playing sings with like kind of a smaller a, a smaller guy kind of tone on mm-hmm. this one. in this the later version yeah 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 is that his later voice or is he just doing that for the song is that more reflective of his later style or um he has kind of embraced like this 
like wispy kind of falsetto and stuff. That's not exactly what he's doing here. Um, I mean, he still will sing with a big voice. He doesn't quite go full uh, crooner like he used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why he made that choice on this one. Um, But I think it also works. Yeah, it's like maybe he's saving his voice because he knows they're jumping into some big one after that. I don't know. We could look at the set list on the They Might Be Giants info page and we (laughs) probably could learn exactly the songs played after this, right? (laughs) Okay, well, how about we do that? Kiss Me, Son of God came right after this. Oh, that pretty creamy <laughs> song. Does he sing that one? I think Linnell's actually the lead, but Flansburg sings quite a bit on that one, too. Okay. But then after that, How Can I Sing Like a Girl, which is a big uh, Flans feature. There you go. Maybe he was saving it then. Yeah. But it doesn't affect my interpretation of the song. It like he's further going down that road of like, a little voice this grand song you know and here i just am in my i'm giving all this drama and intrigue of this the imagery of the story but really it's just little me and my uh, yeah romantic drama i think this song kind of fits pretty well with uh with the song uh mr me oh wow Do you know mr me of course and that's a Linnell one, but uh, the whole uh, <laughs> uh, a boy named Mister Me, Mister Made Him Glad, and wandered in the misty sea. It came about his mystery. The Mister Made Him okay, Sad. Sure. He ended up sad. It's talking about this sad little guy, and it has some like sea imagery yeah, and stuff like that. Totally. Some, yeah, it's funny. It's almost like the uh, cartoon version of a piece of dirt, like the piece of yeah, dirt for adults, yeah. the Mister Me's for kids, kind of slightly. Right, it's the sea shanty version. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's the proto SpongeBob. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of something that's a little more childlike, I suppose we should talk about uh, the avatars of they because the blue avatar did a version of this. Do you remember the uh, the 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 sock puppets? Right. Yeah, I saw. I yeah. watched that version. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and it's a slightly different arrangement and stuff. It's like more kind of chill kind of keyboard Mm -hmm. version of it. So I'm going to drop that in here. Piece of dirt That is all I'm standing on today Piece of dirt My whole world change the avatar says uh i find myself haunted by a a creepy man named me 
Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it's a little, maybe it's a little revealing. Like, I like spooky a lot better. Spooky is mm-hmm. more opaque, and creepy is more, uh, you know what a creep is. Right. But a spooky person is, it's more intriguing when it's spooky. So creepy, it's yeah. like, uh-oh, what, ha- what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> the avatars are a little creepy. <laughs> Not, not gonna lie, and there's a little there's those, a Richard, just, yeah. those dead eyes. <laughs> yeah, those dead eyes. Yeah, it's it is funny the juxtaposition of the dead eyed puppet singing these uh, dark songs. That, yeah, that's for a person, uh, a different kind of person than me, I think. But I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I do like the, the organ tone I noted of that song, and um, he does a chord variation in that version that oh, yeah? uh, just he hits one chord that's like a a bigger sort of some sort of seventh in between chord maybe not seventh but it's one, it's one of those like weird in between chords and it's um i like the variation um it sounds a little more traditional mm-hmm. and it lends itself again yeah. to like great american songbook uh as this song kind of you know, it's reaching towards that a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we head into the cover section? Yeah, I'm ready if you are. Let's do it. All right. So first one we're going to hear is uh, Vault 21. This one's on SoundCloud. Vault-21. Uh, piece of dirt from 11 years ago. Let's listen to this one. They've revoked my sailor's badge. Said I should be content and happy on this ink spot where I stand. Piece of dirt. That is all I'm standing on today. Piece of dirt. slipped away I find myself haunted by a spooky man named me I wish that I could jump out of my skin yeah yeah it's really quite quite minimal and um and uh and sad and yeah i I didn't have much more to say of it it's definitely another little voice version um Mm -hmm. of these songs like little boy voice and this like grand sweeping long open notes and then just like me some dirt you know (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. wimpy but they but i kind of like that at first i was like i don't know and then just within a minute i'm like you know what this is pretty good it's effective um, and it works in, in an even more minimal version of the original. This is almost like the um, like postal service version or something. <laughs> robot voice. This small feeling robot. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit. There's a version of the Smith song, There's a Light That Never Goes Out by... Um, Oh, that electronic musician. Um, 
uh, what's his name? Um, Schneider TM is his name. And he did this. Hmm. Um, I'm a big Smiths fan and I'm very critical of the covers of Smiths. Most of them are bad, uh, for sure. There's only a truly only like a handful that are good and even worth it. And the Schneider TM is, I think my favorite Smiths cover I've ever heard. And Mm. he totally goes the, the robot vocal style and this the minimal skittery electronics, but really works for me and this sort of vault 21 version of piece of dirt did a similar thing i feel like they could have taken taken an even bigger step toward robot world <laughs> the ones and zeros mm. but um it works in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. i dig it all right then let's move on to uh this next one i believe this group is called all these words are yours, though the band camp is DJ, v- uh, what is it? DJ Vortivask right. on Bandcamp. Uh, yeah. Um, but it says that the spooky dance single by All These Worlds Are Yours. Wait, did I say it wrong? All These Worlds Are Yours is the name of the group. And they've got a very John Henry looking uh, cover art with the uh, skull, the they skull. Oh, right. Yeah, uh-huh. so let me drop in uh, here. All these worlds are yours doing piece of dirt. Piece of dirt. That is all I'm standing on to Piece of dirt. The whole world has slipped away. Jump into a fountain Or a fly I fly away A woman's voice on the rail Can convince you on the telephone can convince you you're alone but I set myself so long ago they revoked my sailor's badge said I should be content and happy on this ink spot where I stand peace of death that is all I'm standing on to And here we get a kind of another another kind of electronic version, but a much uh, different approach to it. Get these little arpeggios and this little kind of gentle drum machine to it. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, I like the richer arrangement. Everyone wants to go minimal with this song, and I understand it, but I sort of like the layering of this one with the arpeggiating keyboards and the squiggly synths and then the mm-hmm. more droney, like squiggly synths on top of the droney synths. And um, there's some liberties at the end of it that in the drama kind of slow it down. And there's a little drone at the end that I 
it's like, oh, what's he doing? Is he just overdoing it? And then kind of the end, I liked it. Um, however, it's a little undercut by the nerdy vocals, in my opinion. And, <laughs> and people, I think, but I guess that's common with They Might Be Giants covers because they like let nerds be nerds, I think is, I'm going to guess. Yeah, we're all a bunch of nerds. Yeah, right. We're all, sure, but um, yeah. Nerds. <laughs> No, you know, I mean, I think people like people who just want to, you know, over enunciate, just get into the vocals and just, yeah, I see here is my boy singing, you know, and I'm going to sing this song real clearly and, you know, real nasally and hard on the R's and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's a certain type of person who covers a They Might Be Giant song. Um, there's like a trend among these singers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all, they all kind of bear a little taste of that, I think. There's only one version that was like particularly dispassionate. Like I think, um, the that's why I, I enjoyed the robot version because um, I just think the song doesn't need mm. any more drama or um, not too much more attention drawn to the style of the singing because the lyrics and the are good and the, the, the lyrics do it. And you don't need the voice doing. A ton of theatrics, or um, mm. or I don't know. Maybe I'm reading. Maybe I'm reading that wrong. Maybe they're trying to be so earthy and natural and normal. I think that's maybe it. It's trying to mm. almost like a speaking voice song. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go against what I said before because I, I really would like to hear this song sung in sort of a grand operatic or you know not operatic but that like sweeping big huge voice kind of style mm -hmm. I think that would be dope too yeah 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 alright on but to yeah, the well, next one okay. um, Tyler songs on Bandcamp which is I'm guessing a guy named Tyler Right. <laughs> Tyler songs <laughs> covered it also in 2015, um, and let's check that one out. Piece of dirt—that is all I'm standing on today. Piece of dirt—the whole world has slipped away. I would. tone almost sounds like the avatars of they version on this one yeah i could see that mm -hmm. maybe that's what he was listening to you could see if tyler song subscribes to it or something you could probably track that online 
I'm not I'm not that web savvy. <laughs> you with the Wayback Machine and all. I do like the beat he like the beat he uses on this one. It's almost like a little like Casio tone kind of little chintzy little beat. Yeah, that's true. And that little kind of tiny bass synth that's going along with it. Nice touches. I'd agree. I, I didn't have much of a reaction to Tyler's songs. I was a little like, it didn't hit me too hard. No okay. Fair. That's fair. All right. Now, how about uh, Jake the Dead on SoundCloud? SoundCloud.com slash Jake the Dead. Uh, piece of dirt. Um, I like the little ice cube guy that Jake the Dead has. <laughs> like that artwork there. Let's check out uh, their version. Piece of dirt That is all I'm standing on today of the whole world has slipped away I would climb the highest mountain just to jump into a fountain or to fly I'd fly away a woman on the radio can convince you you're in love a woman's voice on the telephone can convince you you're alone but I set myself so now this one is like super like ambient like atmospheric kind of which I think lends to the the, the sp- spookiness and it's 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 definitely a stripped down version a minimal version he went that route he did yeah but i think this guy has a better handle on kind of creative soundscape that goes beyond typical instrumentation i i thought it was more effective because um yeah it was just sort of not paying into the um the grid of this of the song structure, you know, he was kind of defying mm. that a little bit, and that's what made it mm-hmm. uh, interesting to me. And um, funny too, there's that swelling tone that repeats that it tonally very much sounds like French horn, which, uh, uh, which uh, we, yeah. we we ended up uh, delving into in our version, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to some, some French alert. horn very shortly. And then um, we've got this guy, Robert Ruby, who popped up not too long ago. Um, I'm going to hear some French horn on this one as well. Uh, Robert Ruby does, uh, uh, he was like, seems to be one of the first guys to do like this multi-shot thing of him playing every instrument on the cover. And this is, yeah, this is uh, 12 years back. Um doing piece of dirt you'll see him playing melodica trumpet french horn um singing of course uh let's uh and, and some 
Do we got some keyboards or just melodica? Well, I guess melodica is a keyboard. Um, let's check out uh, Robert Ruby's cover. Piece of dirt. That is all I'm standing on today. Piece of dirt. The whole world has slipped away. Now we climb the highest mountain just to jump into a fountain or to fly. A woman's voice on the radio can convince you you're in love. The woman's voice on the telephone can convince you you're alone. But I set myself so long ago, they've revoked my sailor's badge. Said I should be content. Yeah, and that bridge, like the horn and trumpet chords that he has going on, mm-hmm. super cool. <laughs> Thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, it it was one of those that, like, a, just watching the first 20 seconds, I wanted to shut it off. And then um, he starts building with the other instruments. And then it, by the end, it's really lovable, uh, fairly lovable. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, again, like, super nerd vocals um but like really expands the song and this song works either way it works like i think the last two that we were talking about are some of the best juxtapositions of how this song can sound you know um could have this full horn situation it sound great Mm -hmm. and the the song is always unmistakably the song and as opposed to like the Jake the Dead version, which is, like I said, it kind of goes off the grid slightly of the normal song and just it's a little more avant-garde slightly. And um, yet it still is recognizably the song. Right. Um, mm-hmm. How cool is that? And then, yeah, and then like Jake the Dead went a little further with the dispassionate vocals and kind of taking a little bit of the high drama, pulling back on that. And just letting the song right. do its thing. Um, whereas uh, this guy, Robert Ruby, went a little, um, yeah, more hard on sleeve, kind of like normal guy talking about his normal problems in a very straightforward voice um, yeah. with all the good and, yeah. good and bad that comes with, with that choice. <laughs> and then we've got uh, our friend from Germany, Noah Daniel, uh, made a version for us uh, with some very unique instrumentation. I'm going to drop in Noah's right here. Piece of dirt That is all I'm standing on today Piece of dirt The whole world 
has slipped away I would climb the highest mountain Just to jump into a fountain Or to fly I'd fly away A woman's voice on the radio can convince you you're in love. A woman's voice on the telephone can convince you you're alone. But I said my sails so long ago, they've revoked my sailor's badge. Said I should be content. On this spot where I stand, piece of dirt. That is all I'm standing on today. Piece of dirt. The whole world has slipped away. I find myself haunted by a spooky man like me. I wish that I could jump out of my skin. What do you think? A little, a little jaw harp there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is really good. Juice harp is uh, another way to say that. And, uh, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's what that is. I thought, or it is a quasi Jews harp situation. Um, but either way, I thought it was cool. You know, um, it's like as minimal. Uh, as it is a jaw harp. I know he, uh, he had just gotten it and he wanted to mess around. Oh, really? with it. Yeah. That's why well, that's he did cool it. About those, like those things because, um, they have an electric sounding, you know, metally vibe to it that it can come across as something, um, inorganic. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah but then and then uh, the, the just really layered vocals and in, in, in juice harp and um yeah it gets a bit acapella um like an acapella band there when it starts layering um so that diverges from my personal interests but uh he did a good job with that and it, again it works um i don't know what did you think I love it because it totally hit me off guard when he sent it to me. It was not at all what I was suspecting. He he hadn't told me that he had just bought a, a, a jaw harp uh, before then. I was like, wait a minute. Because <clears throat> then at first I was like, wait, it's just some weird like synthesizer sound or something. Mm-hmm. Barrel. But yeah, and then he, <laughs> like, oh, I think that's a jaw harp. And he's like, yep, I just got one. I wanted to play around with it. And I, I just think it's super unique. Um Noah is big on accordion covers and guitar covers, so hearing this come from him, it really caught me off guard. Oh, in a, in yeah, a cool he's way. having a lot of fun with uh, stripping it all back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I mean, th- this yeah. is the ultimate extreme example of like how this song still can kind of work. It could literally be like an acapella song, and it, it still totally holds up. It fits together while the arrangement's so strong, so tight. 
Yeah, it's really neat. And um, any instrument apparently can be played on this song too for it to sound <laughs> like itself. I, I, I want to point yeah. out just for as long as we're talking about it, um, there's a whole album um, by Daniel Higgs of Lungfish. He did a solo album and it's all just him and, on Jews Harp, on experimental noise Jews Harp. And wow. it's shockingly i mean not shockingly coming from him because i'm a fan but like it's great it's strangely yeah am- amazing the sounds he gets from wow. it the subtleties of it i love it and um what, what's the um called i don't know what it's called but it's daniel higgs uh from longfish and uh let me see if i can find it um i think magical alphabet perhaps that's magic El- yeah magic alphabet is what i'm finding that's what i'm getting hmm. um i haven't listened for years and years and years but um i did see his band called the pupils which is a was released on discord i think it's him and asa from uh, lungfish uh, playing together and at that concert he played some solo um jews harp and it was uh strangely entrancing cool yeah man yeah so i i would man how about that a jews harp record on uh discord <laughs> yeah i don't know that is it, i don't think magic alphabet's on Jew, is on discord i'm finding it on oh, discord it oh my gosh and, that's and we're, and we're talking about discord records people wow. not the whatever that new discord thing is that people waste their time on discord is in a guitar chord right, right. um yeah. <laughs> okay, uh we're finally to the main event. Uh your cover. Oh, all right. Take us through what what was the uh yeah, this was a a um a uh long organic process to get this cover from start to finish, but totally totally worth it. Before we we play it, you want to uh lay out, you know, your first um well, how you thought of how to approach uh, this song for your cover, because we've talked about so many different ways to go about it. Yeah, I think I embraced um, just like the diffuse sound of um, the song without a beat. You know, I, because I was just at the time playing with my friend who just played cello and it, just me on guitar and... I didn't necessarily want the cello to play some big rhythmic thing. And I'm like, let's just embrace like expansiveness. That's um, kind of brought up in the images of the lyrics of the song. And so that's why I created this sort of wall of uh, finger pick guitar is, mm-hmm. um, and it sounded once I really found a pattern that worked, I thought it was pretty um, effective and uh and what's your what's your friend's name again is it josh josh yeah his name's josh evans and he's out of middletown connecticut and that's where i used to live up until um, six months ago uh just recently moved to cincinnati so much closer to you sir yeah yeah and yeah, uh far, really but yeah we recorded it well. so do you guys have a band name i couldn't remember yeah if, it's called Ro- do you have a band name yeah it's called romanesque r-o-m-a-n-e-s-c that's how you spell it and that's okay. the name of my um that's like my solo moniker and uh that we made a record 
six or five songs, I think, under that name, which should come out hopefully within the next uh, year or so. And it's mostly done. Awesome. And then, uh, then there's this song uh, that we made, and then you and your wife helped us out a little bit. And um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've now cool moved, and I've uh, found some new people to play with, and closer in this region. So we're trying to make it work. But yeah, Romanesque is the name of it. So uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool to be able to hop on this one a little bit. So we're going to play it in full, and you can hear Cara playing uh, a little bit of French horn, especially as the song builds. And there's a little bit of me playing saw in the back, kind of a, a adding a little bit of uh, that that spooky man named me kind of. Uh, yeah, we, we embrace the drone, you know, <laughs> and then that's what it is. You know, we embrace the, the as I said, the kind of diffuse, without the beat, it becomes a drone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this almost sounds like a, you know, UK folk sort of sound in a way. Mm. And I was playing, mm-hmm. I think, in a in one of those folk open tunings like Dad Gad, I believe. And um, okay, so I kind of brought it into more of a modal territory. Um, that's what I was trying to do, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I'll play the uh, play the whole stinking thing right here. Piece of dirt That is all I'm sending on today Piece of dirt The whole world has slipped away I would climb the highest mountain Thank you. 
Yeah, you're just like the king of hammer-ons in this uh, in this song. Yeah, I can never play shit like that. Not in a million years. It's it's just a finger pattern, I think. I don't know if there's a ton of hammer-ons. I don't remember, but it's like definitely just just find a good. Uh, and that was one of those things. I just I think I started off playing it a, a few um, BPM slower, and then I kind of built up to playing it faster because it's a pretty fast. Um, it was pretty hard to keep up for like. But luckily, it was a two minutes of song. I guess what was hard is trying to practice it over and over and over for like two or three or four hours in a, in a practice session. <laughs> that was hard. Yeah. But um, <laughs> actually, just playing it once or whatever um, is is fine. But uh, yeah, they, I found it to be a little slightly more challenging um, than average. It's not that hard though. I can teach you. I mean, you're a music teacher. You know how this goes. Like you could, you just have to sort of like pick out the pattern and yeah. um, play it really slow and then just keep picking up that tempo slowly but surely over the course of the time you're working it out and you will play it yeah effectively eventually yeah possibly maybe it just sounds more complicated to me than it is but it sounds really really cool like because we listen to a bunch of covers and this is like nothing like any of them you know you really find your own space on this that's one that's awesome thank you yeah and i'm super happy to be a, a tiny part of it yeah um, it was cool you could and, and uh, yeah i was psyched that you guys could play these very colorful instruments some french horn and uh musical saw oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> i like that the weird shit you know yeah it, how special was that yeah thank you and it's like yeah it has a i guess it puts a folk spin on it slightly with those instruments as well and mm-hmm. but anyway yeah yeah, the, and the guy who recorded it, it is sort of a uh, prog metal guy. So you, maybe you get the sonic oh, of yeah. a prog metal song as well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can really hear the Rush influences there. <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. uh, <laughs> or not. Um, okay, I think we are to the portion of the show where we must score this song. So you, sir. Must go first. What are we scoring? Piece of dirt. What's the rating scale, friend? Uh, zero to ten, and you can use decimals if needed. Oh, the beloved pitchfork system. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, relatively to the catalog of uh, they might be giants, or just to the world. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like think about like what a ten. Uh, what a song uh, that would be a 10 for you and then where does Piece of Dirt uh, score in relation to that oh wow I think I've Got a Match is my favorite song in the world by mm. the Giants I think so but, good um, choice yeah so like I love this song it's not my favorite one but it's just it, gosh it just holds up it holds up and all the stuff we talked about it it's really um grand and special geez i don't know uh 7.7 or something (laughs) yeah okay sure seven yeah yeah i'm real close to that that. yeah what did you say i think i'm gonna go a little bit higher i'm gonna go 7.9 um i think it's a real solid flansburg song i do think yeah it really does everything it needs to do in that small package like we've we've mentioned before like just squeezes in everything it needs to do in two minutes and 
super evocative without being super complicated. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, it's another great Lincoln track. 7.9 from me. That's awesome. I guess the only, I just remember when I would hear it on the album when I was younger listening to it, I wasn't immediately drawn to the song. It, like, I don't like the intro that much, for, at least like, it's not like begging to be listened to somehow the intro it feels and it feels like <laughs> jokey when it's like bees under it sounds like oh boy this is like a goof song and it's like do i really want to listen to this goof song but then by the end of it of course <laughs> and all we've talked about it it's yeah. not a goofy goofy song but that's the only that's the thing that i the only thing i really don't like about it is that it feels like it starts off like a joke song and it's not and um Mm. The intro sounds a little like '70s middle of the road or something to me as well. Like, okay. yeah. So it's really sort yeah. Of, it does just start off like with like an accordion kind of count off almost. Yeah. So for some reason, I'm pretty. I guess I'm a little particular about how intros of songs are. Uh, well, because I think it's from, from making so many mixtapes and playlists over the years. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Aren't intros critical? Yeah. And so this song has sort of a. A weak intro. Um, yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, he didn't want to give it all, you know, away right at the start. You know? No, no. And it, right like, some room to build sometimes. Yeah, and once you get into it, you realize the greatness. And it's, I sort of like the, it's sort of a pathetic intro. It's sort of like, it fits the, the insularity of the song, the sad uh, insularity <laughs> sure. of the song. It does. It's just, yeah it's a little unhit it's like a little self-consciously unhit i think this song. okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Alrighty. um okay so we've talked about uh colossal people should go check out more colossal we talked about romanesque hopefully uh hearing some of those other songs in 2023 yeah that's the goal year possibly? thank you yeah, yeah yeah you can go to um yeah at Colossal the band on Facebook or Instagram. And we send little missives once in a while. (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) one day I'll launch the Romanesque things uh, from that. And I will hopefully point you guys out to that. Um, So that should be in the world sometime this year. Keep us posted. Yeah, man. All right, Pat, thanks so much for being on, man. Pleasure, man. Thank you for letting me talk all about this really wonderful song on one of my favorite albums yeah dude and it was so awesome to collaborate uh with you or i guess not so much collaborate but to put a little weird greg greg orb touch on the uh on the piece of dirt cover because uh, it's just so it turned out so amazing man thank you it really um makes it too so thank you yeah cool uh-huh.